You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Happy Friday out there to all my bow hunting fools. It is time for another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles Hunter Profile Podcast. And today we are talking with a gentleman from Michigan who killed a deer in Ohio. And his name is Jake Dingy. And Jake is going to walk us through uh, one of the biggest bucks he has ever seen. And he ended up shooting it all on public land on day one of his rut vacation. So enjoy. All right. On the phone with me now is Jake Dingy. How's it going today, Jake? Going real good, Dan. Good, good, good. And uh, by the looks of this picture that I'm looking at right now, that would last me a lifetime of happiness. <laughs> yep, yep. I, I, I uh, have to agree with you there. So before we get into the into this uh, story of this buck, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, um, where you live, and what do you do for a living? All right. Well, my name's Jake, as I told you. Um, I live in central Michigan. I am 33 years old. I've been bow hunting uh, since I legally could, which was the age of 12. And uh, I'm a travel and sales rep. Um, for a company, I travel throughout the state of Michigan, and I sell agricultural-related parts. Gotcha. Cool, cool. Does that uh, agricultural-related parts, does that uh, get you access to uh, hunting ground outside the state? You know, I, I really wish it, it would. Um, I sell to, uh, like, uh, tractor dealers like John Deere, uh, Case New Holland dealers, and uh, uh, machine shops, those sorts of places, so... I'm not selling direct to farmers where it actually could potentially, you know, get me on a piece of ground. <laughs> um, what has helped me out of state is I do have family and that doesn't help me get, get ground, but it gives me a place to stay. So that, that helps too. I got a buddy who sells seed corn and he can hunt basically wherever he wants. It's, it's, wow. it's amazing. He has access to thousands of acres of ground. I'm a little bit jealous wow. of him. Yeah, I guess that's kind of a dream of mine being in sales is hopefully to either make myself better as a hunter, you know, with, with, with access to land or um, a- access to something within the hunting industry that would get me there too. So that is a goal of mine eventually. Well, I tell you what, you laid down an absolute giant this year and um, he's, he's – Actually, adult- I, I'm sorry, this was, this was actually 2014. I, I didn't tell you that yet. Oh, okay. So 2014 is when you, when you shot yep. this buck and, yep. um, he is an absolute giant. What, uh, just, just so we have an idea of what this buck looks like, what did he score? Uh, he, he grosses at 190 and he nets 185 as a non-typical. So we don't care anything about the net score. So he's a 190 inch. Did, did you happen to, uh, um, know what, uh, what he was for an age class? Um, surprisingly, after talking to some of the, uh, other guys that had trail cam picks of them and we weighed him at almost 190 pounds, but he had a lot of teeth. We're guessing he was only a three or four year old buck, which is really surprising. Gotcha. All right. So it's the summer before 2014 archery season. What are you, what are you doing before the season starts to prepare for any hunting season? Uh, generally I'm, I'm shooting my bow a lot. Um, 
I'm, I'm making sure my stands are prepped plenty of time. Uh, we do a few food plots around my local area in, in Michigan. Um, but as far as my Ohio hunting trip, um, all I really do is just go down with a week off and try to hunt the rut and hunt as hard and as smart as I can and, and hope I get a gift, basically. Gotcha. So you hunt basically two states, Michigan and uh, Ohio. Are those private pieces? Are those public pieces? Um, in Michigan, I hunt mostly private land. In Ohio, uh, I, I've hunted Ohio seven or eight years off and on. Um, I, I dabble a little bit in public and private. Mostly, mostly public because the times I have hunted private, the guys that I'm hunting on, you give permission to everybody, and you just never know who's going to show up. Right. Gotcha. And I guess that's no different than public in that aspect, but you have more ground to work with on public land, it seems. Okay. So going on into public land, and we had a, we had a short conversation before uh, we got on the phone here about uh, about you know this deer was shot in Ohio. So correct. Let's let's start off with what was the date when you like were you already hunting in Michigan and uh, what tell, I guess tell us the story. Okay, um, I was hunting in Michigan the 2014 season. Um, up our season starts October 1st, and I had hunted there uh, for the season. I actually had shot a two and a half year old eight point. Uh, like the 25th or something like that. And for the for where I'm hunting, that was a really nice buck. That's probably the best buck we've ever taken off our lease. Um, but in Ohio, um, I always try to – my goal is a three-year-old buck. And really all I was trying to shoot was something roughly Pope and Young caliber, 125 inches was my goal. Anything bigger is even better. But um, my brother and I were going down to Ohio for a week and we were going to leave Halloween night. So, you know, we had just been practicing our bows, getting ready for the hunt, and we, we left uh, Halloween night. We had potentially had lined up some private land. I was hoping we could work out, and it, it didn't pan out. So I got cousins that we stay at in Ohio, and we arrived down there in southern Ohio and woke up the next morning, and it was just pouring rain November 1st, just windy, nasty, not really ideal conditions to, to start the hunt. So when you, um, so that this private land, it, it didn't pan out for you. So did you already have this, this public land scouted out from previous years that you, did you know the area? Did you know where you were going or did that throw a huge wrench into the spokes? Uh, actually a little bit of both because we had started off going to a spot we had hunted previously that actually they had come in and logged and changed a lot of, but we had started off on a spot we had hunted in the past and we arrived and it was dark yet. And we're like, well, let's, let's wait till it gets a brown light and then we'll go scout and try to figure out what we want to do. But as we waited there 20 minutes for it to get almost light, we were the only vehicle in the parking lot and another truck pulls in. And when the truck pulls in, four guys jump out and start heading in different directions and, tried to stop them and say, hey, guys, you know, where are you hunting? Because we're going to scout, and I don't want to screw up your hunt. And the guys were just in a hurry, ready to go, and they're just like, well, I'm hunting here, he's hunting there, and we dropped two guys off over there, and, you know, just enough to spin your head, and you're going, well, I don't know what the heck I'm doing now. <laughs> and so, you know, that just screwed us up off the bat, and we're going, what the heck are we going to do? So across the road from where we were was still public land, and we thought, well, we'll head over there, and, we know those guys weren't going in that direction. We'll go over there and split up and see what we see. So my brother and I went over cross road, oh, I don't know, mile, mile and a half back into this public land. And like I said, it was just pouring rain all morning. I had my Gore-Tex on, um, and I hunted probably for two and a half hours. And my brother did the same, and he saw a couple deer, but I didn't see anything. And I was just soaking wet. And we said, let's get out of here. Like I said, I was wearing Gore-Tex, and I was still soaking wet. And so we piled back in the truck with our tail tucked a little, not sure what to do. And we kind of decided, let's uh, let's just pull up Google Maps and do some driving and try to find something better. So that was, uh, that was a, a morning hunt running gun? Yes, sir. Yep. Gotcha. All right. So 
started raining, weather was pretty shitty. You guys decided to, you know, get out and do a little driving and, and, uh, in a little reviewing of the maps on, on your phone, or did you have a computer or a GPS or something? Uh, my brother just had Google Maps on his phone, and, and we were just using that to try to figure out what was public and what was private. It was really all we were after. Okay. And then what happened? Well, we drove around for probably two hours checking out different pieces, and we found a piece that looked pretty good. Um, there was a... I don't know, there's quite a bit of CRP in the area, but there's a, a hardwoods ridge, and there was some crop fields on the backside of this piece. So we decided to get out on foot and, and check it out. So we we parked, and we were the only one in the parking lot, so we kind of felt like we had free reign to, to scout without bumping anyone. So we get out and, and went about a mile back into this piece to get up on this hardwoods ridge where we figured we'd find some good deer sign and those sorts of things and we get back in there and one of the first things we notice is there's no trails there's no rubs there's no scrapes it just looks it looks dead and that's not what we had expected so we started kind of wandering around and scratching our head and thinking okay well where do you want to keep searching and as we're standing on this hardwood ridge there's this big dead tree there probably 20 yards away and all around this dead tree for whatever reason there's this two and a half foot tall uh, grass. And it's only like a 50 foot circle. It's not much, but just this little bit of grass there. And my brother and I are kind of chatting, deciding what we want to do. And as we're standing there, a buck jumps out of this grass. And as I said, we're on a ridge, so it runs straight downhill on the opposite side that we're kind of standing. So my brother turns and runs over to try to get a look at what this deer was because it just it happened so fast. We could just tell it was a buck, but we couldn't tell what size of buck it was. And he runs over trying to see it and has these doing it. He's looking away from me. I'm just standing there thinking, okay, I'll see that buck and tell me what it is. And all of a sudden a doe jumps up out of this grass and runs right by me within five yards. And I'm just like, holy cow, apparently there's deer laying in this grass, you know, <laughs> kind of, kind of looking at myself, kind of surprised. And as I was kind of looking at this doe, I turned my head back towards this grass and there stands that buck, you know, he's 23 and a half inches inside spread. He's got, He's a typical 10-point with double drop times. He's got seven stickers, making him a 19-point. And he runs by me. I mean, I shouldn't say run. He trots pretty good by me at 20 yards. And my jaw, I'm standing up, and my jaw's on the ground. And he trots down the, the side of this uh, ridge. And my brother's still looking the opposite way, trying to see what that buck is. So he never got to see this deer, even though it was 20 yards away from him. So... I want to I wanna scream at the top of my lungs to tell my brother, monster buck, but I know better than to do that. And I didn't know what to do, so I just kind of snuck over my brother, grabbed him. He had a hooded sweatshirt, and I grabbed the back of the hood and spun him around. And I was just like, double drop time monster, double drop time monster. And I tried, <laughs> I tried pointing it out to him, but by then the thing was 100 yards away. And But my brother said he could smell him yet. So, I mean, he was rotten. Like I said, it was November 1st. So did he go in the same direction as that doe went? Yes, he did. Well, they went. They both went down the same direction, downhill the same ridge. But one went kind of, uh, the doe kind of went north and he kind of went south. So we had just, the, the three deer that were bedded here just went in totally different directions. Okay. So were you then, were you then in between the deer? Um. Kinda. I mean, you know, like I said, I was I was within 20 yards of him when I jumped up. Um, I I guess I didn't really I didn't split them up from getting back to each other. If that's what you're asking. Okay. Me. Yeah. Yep. They so, both kind of jumped and went by in front of me, but I think what happened was I had the wind in my favor, so that I don't think any of those deer ever smelled us. I think we just made noise and kind of spooked them. Okay. Because one thing I really noticed about that buck is to me his body language, and, and I know as a hunter, you know what I'm talking about. When you see a deer, you can kind of guess, based on what they're doing, you can guess a little bit of their body language. And because he wasn't running and just hauling ass, because he was just kind of trotting hard, I knew, and he never looked directly at me, I knew that he didn't know what was going on. He just looked confused. He didn't look scared, Okay. if that makes sense. 
So this little this little grassy area, this down tree, this grassy area. How far from where you guys parked your truck was this was this area? We're talking probably a mile. A mile. Okay. Now I want to yeah. talk about this area just a bit. Um, sure. Where where he's at? You said he's you're on this this hardwood ridge, right? Yep. Okay. Where does this ridge lead to? What what are some of the food sources in the area that you've that you've seen? Um, like I said, this is our first time there, so we were just scouting, but um it was basically a long strip of this hardwoods ridge and on the back side of it was a cornfield. Now below it is a CRP field where he ran down into. Okay. And then behind it the woods kind of get opens up and becomes bigger um towards the back of it if that makes any sense, probably, I don't know, 400 yards or so, it opens up into a, in a larger section of woods. Okay. All right. So you had the, you know, we're in, in a general area, you kind of know the terrain. Um, you bumped this buck, he ran off, you grabbed your brother. Now what? I, I grabbed my brother and said, you know, told him about the buck. And I said, Hey, it was a giant. I, I figured on hoof, I guessed him at 170, 180 class. I assumed because he was so big, he was a five or six year old deer. And I told my brother what I had just seen and, and I was just freaking out. I was just so excited. It was the biggest year I've ever seen, um, you know, in a hunting scenario. And I was telling him this and, you know, he, his immediate reaction was to not believe me because we're <laughs> brothers and he's going to give me crap and he's going to not believe me. So, I tell him, you know, I just seen this double drop time monster buck. He was 170, 180 inches. So he looks at me and goes, so you mean 140? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, you son of a bitch, you know? And uh, so we decided, well, we need to go back to the truck because we didn't have our bows. We didn't have anything. We were just, you know, we were just out scouting. We never thought that we could potentially get that close to a, a shooter, something we'd be that excited about. So we walked a mile back to the truck. And that was probably when we jumped in was probably eleven thirty, I would guess. Now So we walked a mile back. Go ahead. If you had your bow with you, would you have had a shot at this buck? Um you know, if I'd had an arrow knocked and the release on and everything, I probably could have pulled a shot off, but to to knock an arrow and everything, no. I mean if um if I had a long bow situation, you know, I probably could have pulled it off. You know, it's, it's, it's something like you'd see on the Whitetail Adrenaline DVDs really is the best way I can describe it. But, I, uh, yeah, that'd be the only way for it to happen. I tell you what, I, I've I've been in situations like that before, and I can tell you from experience, if I'm going to check a trail camera that is put, like by a bedding area or in some kind of a pinch point, I am bringing my bow every time during sure. during the rut. And that's probably a lesson for me to learn because I, well, I ran into a situation like that this year at home, but my bow also fell out of a tree. So that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you, you head back to the truck. What's the game plan? So we get back to the truck. We eat lunch real quick. And the whole trip, like I said, we're a mile back in the whole time. All I'm doing is running my job about this buck. I just can't stop talking about this double drop time monster because it's the it's something I've never seen in the wild. I've never seen a double drop time. It's something you imagine. Uh, it's something you dream about. You know, I, I remember seeing some in different hunting DVDs, like the jury DVDs, and just being pumped to see somebody shoot one, just because it's so rare. And we get back to the truck, and I'm running my job about it. I'm texting my buddies about it, and I'm calling my wife about it. I'm I'm just telling everybody. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, we just spooked this deer. He's probably five miles away, and we'll never see him again. So we eat lunch real quick, and we, we start getting our gear on. You know, we start putting all our, our hunting clothes on. We're spraying down with uh, scent spray, and we're getting our bows ready to make sure they shoot. We, uh, we hunt with lone wolves, and we have the climbing sticks. And so that was our plan is to go in and set up with these climbing sticks and try to get on this deer we uh we're headed back all set up ready to go towards this ridge where i jumped this buck and my brother and i stopped and he's like all right so who's hunting the spot we just jumped in and i just said hey you never even got to look at him if i hadn't told you about it you wouldn't even know he was there 
And he said, so what? I'm still here, aren't I? It was my idea to come check this spot. Uh-oh, brothers <laughs> so, brothers fighting over a buck. <laughs> exactly. And unfortunately for my brother, he kind of owed me one because I let him stalk a deer that was the biggest deer he ever killed, and, and he killed that deer. So he, he kind of owed me one, and he knew it, and so did I. And he gave me first dibs to go in there and try to hunt the spot we jumped this deer out of. Now, was the wind was the wind at that time blowing to the, the cornfield on top, or was it blowing down the ridge to the CRP field? It was blowing over the ridge into the cornfield. Okay, so it it was blowing uphill. Yep. Okay. Yep. It gotcha. was blowing. I guess that would be out of the west, and that's the direction. When we bumped this deer, he ran down that way. He ran to the west. He ran to the west. Okay, gotcha. So, so actually, when we, I know this is hard with words to explain, but or to try to visualize, but when we had jumped him. He had ran towards my truck, basically. Okay. And we did a big we did a big loop around the area just to be safe. But you know, I, I just assumed that that we had bumped that deer so far away that I, if we saw him again, it'd be several days later if if we even saw him. Gotcha. But but the good thing is is that you said that you don't think he caught your scent. Correct. Okay. All right. So yeah, when he was running, he was running into the wind. And he ran around in front of me, so he never would have caught myself. Gotcha. All right, so you guys are standing there. You're packed up. You're you're fighting over who's going to hunt the the bed that he jumped jumped out of. You got dibs on it. Now what? Yep. So we we decide uh, we're both going to hunt this ridge, but he decides to hunt a couple, you know, 150 200 yards north of me. So up, I said, okay, up you know, the he, ridge. he wished me. Yep. Okay. Yep. He wished me luck and. Um, and I wished him luck, and we went on our way. And I just took took my time and just just stepped as quietly and as softly as I could, and just kind of acted like that deer was still on that same bed. I'm sure I was sure that he wasn't, but I didn't want to screw anything up. Right. So I really just took my time, got kind of picked a tree that I wanted, and the tree I ended up picking was probably 60 yards from the bed that we had jumped him out of. Okay. So and, at this point, I, I I want a time frame from the time sure. from the time you bumped him till the time that you're starting to set up over the in this area. How many hours have passed? It's probably an hour and a half. Oh really? So that's that's yeah. a pretty short time. Okay. Yep. Yep. We uh, we knew we wanted to make short time of it, and we knew that if this was a good spot to hunt, we wanted to be in it. And it was public land, so anyone can show up. So we wanted to make sure our spots were established and that we were good and settled in. And it was November 1st, so it's, it's a rut, you know, and, and anything could happen. Right. Um, so I, I, I picked the tree that I wanted to be in and, as I said, just really took my time, set all my sticks up, set my stand up, tried to make zero noise, got all set up, and I decided I had a little bit of dough urine with me, a little dough and heat urine, and... I said, I'm going to put this on 20 yards on either side of my stand because my scent's blowing into this cornfield, and I'd, I would rather if something comes from the south or north, it hit that and maybe come in before smelling me. Okay. I figured it was a slim chance, but it's better than nothing. So kind of as a, as a safety, I put a little doe ear in a 20 yards north and south in my set. So I snuck up into the stand and, I sat there, and by the time I was set up, it was about 1.30. And I sat there, and like I said, it was breezy. It had been raining all day, and it was it was in the the low 30s. So, I mean, it was potentially could start snowing with the way it had been. You know, it was just, just a cold day. And I sat there from 1.30 and until, you know, 2 o'clock, 3, 4, 5 rolled around, and I hadn't seen a single deer, didn't even see a squirrel. Um, I'd been texting with my brother and some buddies a little bit, and my brother said he had seen a couple other deer moving around. And every time he'd tell me, hey, I saw a six-point or I saw a four-point, I'd text him right back and say, did I have drop times? Because <laughs> I, I was just obsessed with this deer, and I just thought this, the situation was just ridiculous, you know. So I'm sitting there, like I say, it's 5 o'clock. I've really been hunting all day. I've been in the woods all day. And I don't know how many all-day sits you've had, Dan, but when you're on stand too long and there's no action, you get delirious. 
Oh yeah, been there. And and even though this was the biggest year I'd ever seen, I I didn't think I'd ever see it again. I just thought it was a, a fluke situation, and that that was it. And I thought, okay, well, I'm just kind of getting delirious. So about ten after five, I'm just staring at this tree in front of me and just trying to get as close to it as I can to break the wind so that I'm trying to stay as warm as I can. And I just happened to look to my left towards where we had jumped that deer out earlier, and I see him standing there 70 yards away, headed up this ridge back to the bed I kicked him out of, you know, five-plus hours earlier. Jesus. And I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. And I'm I'm questioning myself if it's my sanity. I'm saying, is this, are you really seeing this? Or is this just your imagination playing with you because you've been sitting too long? <laughs> and so I just sat there and I go, what the hell, you know? And so I grabbed my pack and pulled out my grunt call because I didn't know what else to do. So he grunted once. So he's, well, com- he's coming up the ridge right back the same direction that he ran from. That's correct. And he's he's head right into the direction of that of that uh um of that bed you kind of jumped him out of. Now, yeah, that, in relationship, yep, in relationship to where your current stand is is this is that grass area within shooting range of does he have to go by your stand to get to this grassy area, or are you further away? No, I'm I'm probably 70 yards or so from that grass, and he's headed straight west, and I'm north of him, straight north of him, like I say, about 70 yards. Okay. So he doesn't have to come anywhere near me. He can just keep going west, and he'd be in his bed. And if I hadn't turned and looked at that time, I probably would have been none the wiser, unless he would have kept searching. I'm assuming he was searching for – that dough that I split them up from. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, you know, I really don't know. Um, so, you know, he doesn't have to come anywhere, anywhere near me if he doesn't want to. Gotcha. All right. Um, so anyway, I see him and I decided to grunt because to me, that's what made the most sense. And I grunted and he stopped and looked in my direction. So I just laid off the grunt and watched him. And all of a sudden that sucker turns and starts walking towards me. Oh, boy. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And the way he's walking, I'm not at the top of the ridge. I'm down the ridge 20 yards or so from the top. But it goes quite a ways down below me. And he's walking straight north at me, but he's below me yet. So I'm thinking, okay, he's going to come below me if I get a shot. So I need to get prepared to, to shoot down below me. And... I knew a couple things. I knew that this was the, if, if he was going to present a shot, it was going to be the, you know, as a hunter, the, the best opportunity I could ever have, at least up in, you know, at this point, 20 years of, of bow hunting. And I knew that one, don't even look at his rack anymore because you know what he is. And two, just focus on the shot. Nothing else matters. Just try to get the shot off. So, as he's kind of headed my way after hearing that grunt, I'm kind of trying to watch him without looking at his rack. And that rack is so wide that he's twisting his head left and right to get around trees. And I'm like, how do I not look at that when he's doing that? You know, (laughs) it's just like, he's just playing with me. And he, he cuts down to about, Oh, the 40 yard mark or so. And all of a sudden, instead of coming straight at me on the side of the ridge as he is, he turns and starts heading up the ridge higher. So now he's starting to get parallel with me and even starting to get above me a little bit, 40 yards away. And I'm thinking, oh, great. I'm, I got the tree in front of me, and I, I guess the best way to explain it, the tree is just beyond my left arm where I'm holding my bow. Okay. Because I thought he was going to come below me, but now he's above me. So I have to turn 180 degrees on my stand to get back into shooting position. So I kind of tiptoe on my stand, turning around the whole time thinking he's going to see me. He's going to bust me. This is over. How far, how high were you? I was probably right around 20 foot. Okay. Four sticks. Correct. Yep. Okay. Um, and which, like you said, I'm just assuming that at this point it's an old, smart five or six year old deer you know, this is grandpa of the woods and he knows everything. And 
this isn't going to happen anyway, but I'm still going to try my dangest. So I turned around, and he was surprisingly still looking up the ridge. And so I grabbed the grunt call again and gave it a couple small grunts, and he turns and starts heading my way again. And he cuts down to about 30 yards, and he turns broadside. I'm thinking, hey, there's your shot, you know, but there's all these vines in the way. I can't, you know, I'm thinking my body's telling me, shoot, shoot, there he is. But I'm thinking, no, you're going to hit those vines, and that's going to be game over. So he's just kind of standing there. He's not sure what to do. He's just kind of looking around. He's not committed to my, my grunt setup yet. And so I decided one more time, I just give him another little grunt, and I made sure the grunt call was facing away from me, and I grunted that a couple times. And sure enough, he turns and keeps coming towards me. At 30 he yards, you, about, grunt, you grunted at him, and he was at 30 yards. Yeah, because there was a bunch of vines in the way, gotcha. so there was no way my arrow was going to get to him. Okay, all right. Um, so he turns and starts coming at me, and he gets to about 20 yards and stops. Well, all of a sudden, where I told you I'd put out that dough and heat urine, I put it on the side of a tree, and he starts sniffing on it. But he's facing me, so there's nothing I can do about it. And I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. This is ridiculous, you know. And At this time, all he's, he's got to be pretty close to getting your wind, right? Well, my wind is going straight west, and he's straight south of me. Okay, all right. So, I mean, he'd have to – where the stand that I picked – the way the ridge works is you'd have to go around it, it. It's such a flat face that you'd have to go way around to get up it. So, I mean, anything straight, there's no way he'd be able to get up the thing unless he was going 40 mile an hour, I guess. Gotcha. If that makes sense. But so he's sitting there 20 yards south of me sniffing on this dough and heat urine I put out. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm just, so out of it that I don't even realize he turns a broadside on me. And by the time I realize it, I'm like, oh, you better take that shot, you know? So I drew <laughs> back real fast and just tried tried to take my time, tried to breathe and focus on my anchor point, say, okay, you're doing this, okay, your thumb's in the right spot, string's in the right spot. And I just kind of tried to put the, the pin behind the shoulder, but I tell you what, everything got real fuzzy. <laughs> It was like I'd had too many beers or something because everything was just blurry. And I'm like, that's not good. So I kind of put it where I thought it needed to be and punched the trigger. And as soon as I let loose that arrow, he turned and he bolted straight away from me. And he ran down this ridge right back to where I'd seen him earlier when he was headed back to his bed. And he stopped there about 70 yards away. Did you know that you hit him at this point? I had no idea what happened. All that I knew was that I didn't hit his shoulder because I didn't hear that loud smack. I didn't know if the arrow was in the ground, if the arrow was in his butt. I had no idea. So he stops out there about 70 yards, and I'm thinking, oh, no. You know, he just ran and he stopped. I'm thinking, you missed that deer. And I'm just waiting for it to, you know, flick his tail and kind of turn around and just, keep on trucking you know how deer do that sometimes when they get get spooked yep and uh as soon as i'm thinking you screwed up all of a sudden he starts getting wobbly and he just tips over and i'm like you gotta be kidding me (laughs) this this just this isn't real this is i'm i ate a bad mushroom or something out here in the woods i don't know what's (laughs) going on you know (laughs) and i just start shaking uncontrollably and the, the adrenaline just starts flowing and i'm thinking the dumbest things, and you, know, you just lose all your common sense. You know? Right, right. So I, I hang my bow up, and I try texting my brother, but the the cell service is so spotty where we're at because we're out in the middle of nowhere that every time I text, it says failed. So I try calling him, and I try to call him, and it just it, it goes right to his voicemail and doesn't go through. What time is and I'm it? I'm thinking this is about – Ten after five, quarter after five. So there's still a decent amount. I mean, it's still light out, right? But it's not right. I mean, there's, it, there's still probably forty five minutes of hunting left or something like that. Okay. Before dark. But in my mind, I don't really care what he's got going. I shot a bigger deer, and he's going to see all week. So, you know, I you know, like I said, we're hoping to shoot maybe a hundred and twenty five inch three year old. That's all we're after. And 
I just figure we got this light. We might as well get this gear and get it out of here. Well, we got light on our side is what I was thinking. Right. So I, I, I text my wife and some buddies of mine and tell them that I shot this deer and, you know, everyone's asking for pictures and telling me I'm full of crap and all that. And, but I, my brother from where that deer was, was south of me. My brother's stand was north. So I, I decided, well, I need to go to his stand and get him is what I need to do. Even though I'm not really sure where he's at. Okay. So I get down and start heading towards him. And I, I knew that, Hey, we're hunting. And I, I didn't want to spook that deer. I just shot because I didn't really know where I'd hit it. I knew it went down, but I didn't know where I hit it. So I just wanted to try to get away from it and get to my brother. So I, I start heading up that, that ridge towards my brother and I probably make it 125, 130 yards. And I get to where I thought he told me he was and I'm looking for him and I start whistling and looking around whistling, can't find him. I start talking the next thing you know, I'm I'm screaming and I'm running and I'm <laughs> just the adrenaline hit and I'm not thinking and I'm just too excited. So I'm hooting and hollering and I can't find him. So I thought, well, I'm just going to go back to my stand and he'll figure it out. You know, I'll see him at dark or whatever. We'll, we'll figure this out. So I turn around and I'm headed back and I get halfway back to my stand and he comes over the hill behind me and he's like, Jake, what's, what's going on? You know, are you hurt? Is there a family emergency? You know, what are you running around here screaming for? And I just put my arms up with a big smile in the Rocky pose, you know, and, and he's just like, what, what's going on? And I said, I shot that buck. And he's like, what buck? So I shot that double drop time buck. He goes, no, you didn't. I said, yes, I did. He still he goes, didn't, even, no, he didn't. He still didn't even believe you saw it. Yeah. He's, he's not, he's not <laughs> seen it. He doesn't even, you know, he just heard my story. So, um, so, so he's like, he just doesn't believe me. And I was like, I was like, what do you think I'm running around screaming for? And I said, well, let's go back to my stand. I said, we'll, we'll set our bows and our gear down and we'll blood trail them. So we worked our way back up the ridge of my stand. and Good blood. We set down our, well, we set down our bows and everything. We start looking for blood and I can't find any blood. I can't find any hair. I can't find my arrow. So now doubt starts to set in and I'm thinking, well, you thought you were crazy. You probably are. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, you know, how, you know, what could have happened that this deer ran and then fell over if there's no blood or hair or arrow, nothing. So I just told my brother, I said, Hey, let's, let's just walk over there. I know where I saw him fall. Let's go see if he's there. And we start walking over there and every time we come up to a stump or a down log, I'm stepping up looking, trying to see something and we probably make it 50 yards and we're still looking for blood as we walk and don't see anything. And then the, the horror stories are setting in of all these people you hear where they shot a deer and it fell and they thought they got it and they got up and ran away. I've heard those stories over and over again from guys that maybe you hit it in the antler and it knocked him unconscious or you hit, you hit it in the leg and it tripped and fell or whatever, you know. And I just don't know what's going on, but I get, you know, 15, 20 yards from where he's laying. I stand up and I see a white belly and I go, oh, <laughs> there he is, you know. So I just take off running and I come over to him and I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. And I, I grab his rack and I say, you ready to see him? I hold him up to my brother and his jaw is just, I've never seen his mouth that wide. <laughs> you know, he's just, he's just in disbelief. I'm in disbelief. And all I do is just start laughing hysterically because I don't know what else to do. It's such a ridiculous scenario, you know, to jump this deer five hours ago to be amazed at the size of this deer and then to get a shot at him and to pull it off because I, I've always been the guy that thought, you know, when that big one comes out, I'm going to screw it up. And this is my first opportunity, a really big buck, and to have it come together was just incredible. It's just a crazy, ridiculous scenario. I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at the pictures of it right now, and you, you can probably see the the smile when I'm picking it up as I'm laughing hysterically as one of the pictures. <laughs> yeah, they, they, <laughs> and one of those guys is your brother in the other picture. Yeah, yep. yeah. Okay, I got you. That mount that you have on your wall is is very is really cool looking, and that buck is a stud without the drop tines. Yeah, yeah, he. He'd be 160 inches as a typical 10-point, 
and then he's got the drop tines. He got roughly eight inch drop tines, and then he's got nine stickers, um, one on his G2 on his left side, and he has six stickers on both of the, between his two bases, three on each base. They're all over an inch, and he has several other stickers that are just you know three quarters, seven eighths, just shy of being you know scorable. So it was quite an impressive deer for sure. Man, so you you picked him up, you you you're Okay, so reality has to set in at some point. Yeah, so we're we're making phone calls, we're high fiving. Actually, um, I tackled my brother, you know, to hug him because it was such a ridiculous thing. I'm just freaking out, you know. I'm just pumped. I actually tripped over the deer's antlers and ripped my pant leg from my knee to my ankle. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I'm just ecstatic. I'm go and I ended up being fine. I just tripped, but I didn't get gored or anything, so I was just happy. I, wasn't injured and I said well you know we only got a half hour of light here left or so and it's going to be dark so we can celebrate all we want but we just need to get this out of here and get back uh, to my cousins that we were staying at so I made a deal with my brother I said okay well you got him and I'll go back to the truck we had bought a game cart and I said I'll go I'll take our bows and our packs back and get the game cart, so that way we don't have to deal with all our gear. We can just drag the deer out and not worry about anything else. And and he agreed. So I went back to the truck to get the game cart. <clears throat> like I said, we were probably a mile or so back in there. And by the time I get back to the truck, then I had to assemble the dang cart. And I noticed there's another vehicle in the parking lot when I get there. And I was thinking, well, I hope my screaming and hollering didn't screw up their hunt because... I didn't know anyone else was here. So I get the cart and start heading back to my brother. And by the time I get there, it's dark now and we're using uh, lights to kind of let each each other know where we're at. And I get back up to him and we strap him up and I take a break for a second after getting the cart and we start heading back towards the truck. So we have to go down this, this ridge and then it turns into CRP and there's a few creeks you have to cross and, uh, a lot of thick, nasty stuff you just have to get through. So we make it probably halfway back, and it takes us probably 20 minutes or so um, to get where uh, we cross this creek, and then we have to come up over this hill. So we're dragging this deer up over this hill, and as we get him up to this hill, I notice there's two flashlights coming straight at us about 40 yards away. And I'm thinking, oh, no, I don't. I don't want to make anybody mad by shooting this deer, make anyone jealous. I don't want any trouble with the locals. So I kind of stepped away from the deer to try not to advertise it if I could help it. And the guys are coming at me with their flashlights about 40 yards away, and they go, hey, how you guys doing? And I'm just like, uh-oh. I said, uh, all right. And he goes, uh, well, we're not doing as good as you are. And I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, yeah? And he goes, did you shoot that double drop time buck? And and I knew the jig was up. I said, yep. So they come over, and uh, they told us who they were, and they were from a semi-pro hunting show. And apparently they'd been hunting this deer, trying to kill it on film uh, for a month and a half. Oh, man. And I felt I was a little bummed out about that. you know. I, no, I you were like, not. No, well, you weren't. No, you weren't. <laughs> I was, I was bummed for them, not for me. I was still pretty happy, but I was, I was disappointed <laughs> to screw up their hunt, you know, when they had put the time and effort in on the deer. So, they were actually really nice guys. I mean, I wasn't sure what to think of them at first, but uh, they, they showed me on their uh, the one guy's phone. He says, "Hey, we got some trail cam pics of this deer if you want them," and he gave me one and. I was just like, you got to be kidding me, because I, I sent you the picture there, and he just looks like he's posing in the thing almost. Yeah. And uh, really, really nice guys. All they asked for was, hey, can we get some pictures with them? They said, hey, we told our buddies we didn't, we'd have pictures of us holding the drop times. I said, well, you can have them. I said, I know it wasn't the way you thought you were going to get them, but you can sure enough take pictures with them. And what was surprising was they actually helped me and my brother drag the deer out. That's nice. Uh, which ended up being like a over a four-hour drag. You know, I shot it at five, and we didn't get out of there until after nine. But they were they were nice guys. I was really surprised, and 
yeah, like I said, they're just just sportsmen, true and true. So just a just a crazy crazy uh, events. And now you get to look at that buck every day. Yep. So did you did you learn any lessons or has has anything about that particular hunt stuck with you for the past couple of years or for the for, for last season and going into this season? Yeah, I'd, I'd say there was a few things. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't earn that deer through, through smarts. You know, I didn't study the deer. I didn't learn him. Um, and in a way I did feel kind of like I stole the deer from honest hunters to be honest later when, when I thought about it, just because, you know, I just stumbled on it and other guys knew about it and were hunting him. But I guess what, what I ended up realizing is it was my persistence as a deer hunter, because I, I hunt harder than anybody I know. I try to go hunt every day. I, I try to hunt smart. I don't, I don't just go hunt a stand over and over again, but I try to hunt somewhere every day and play the wind. And I think it was just that determination that, that killed that deer because we, we knew the weather was sucked and a lot of guys would have been sitting on the couch and we were still out there. And the reason that we had got to that spot and we're, we're hunting was because those other guys were hunting there earlier and left for lunch. And if they hadn't left for lunch, we wouldn't have been scouting. Um, because when we pulled in the parking lot, there was nobody else there. So I, I just feel like, you know, you just got to, as a hunter, you have to stay out there. You have to stick with it and, you, you know, don't hunt stupid, but just put yourself out there because if you're in their world, that's the only way you're going to get that opportunity. So what told you to go back to that, that grassy area where you bumped him? Cause I know a lot of guys, a lot of guys would, wouldn't have hunted it that night. They would have waited until the morning for that buck to come back to that bed. Um, or they would have thought, Hey, I bumped this deer. He's gone. And then they wouldn't even hunted close to where that area was at. Yep. Yep. And you're, you're right. Actually, when my brother and I were talking, I actually told him that I said, I think our best chance, if we're going to see this deer again, if he's going to return to this bed, is going to be tomorrow morning. And that was because, you know, I, I, I'm a fan of Andre D'Acosta and uh, John Eberhart. They've, they've talked about doing the, the bump and dump a little bit. But I figured, yeah, we screwed up today. You know, he's going to be roaming around all night. But I think we didn't have any other options for a place to hunt. And we knew if that deer was there, it was likely there was other big deer in the area. So we thought that was our best bet was to stick true to that and just get out there. And the other good point my brother had made was that whoever hunted that spot that night should hunt there in the morning as well, because they wouldn't be searching in the dark for the stand. They would know already where it was set up. Right. So that made a lot of sense there. So I, I don't know because what actually ended up happening was, roughly where that deer ran to was roughly where those other hunters uh, from that uh, TV show were hunting. So I don't know if they bumped him back to me or if he was just coming back on his own to maybe search for that doe. You know, I I don't think I'll ever know, but um, I think it was, you know, a lot of people told me it's meant to be. I don't know if that's true or not, but if it was, I'll take it. (laughs) I don't know that I earned him, but I'll take it. Hey, I tell you what, the way I put it is sometimes bow hunting is a lot more luck luck than it is skill and planning because uh you know i've been in I've been in uh scenarios similar to yourself where I didn't know anything about a particular property. I walked in and had you know a couple big bucks show up, although I didn't kill yep. them you know it's like oh Jesus, and that's where the story started, you know. As opposed to, you know, running trail cameras all summer, you know, going in, trimming out your tree stands, knowing what deer you're going after. It's just different. I mean, it's it's just a different, you know, especially on public ground. It's just completely different. Absolutely. And, you know, that's, that's why we were hunting a rut, just because anything could happen, you know, and anything could change at any point. Right. Well, I tell you what, man, congratulations on an awesome deer and uh, a pretty cool story. You know, not all of these, not all of these uh, stories that we tell on this uh, hunter profile are going to be of bucks that are several years, you know, tons of history and uh, have sheds and trail camera pictures and stuff like that. Just because, I mean, this is reality. A lot of guys hunt public ground and uh, the uh, story here is uh, you, you got it done on public ground, so... 
congrats. Absolutely. Well, thank you. And uh, I just want to say thanks again for coming on the show, taking time out of your day to tell this story. And, uh, yeah. Well, thanks so much. And, and I guess the reason I wanted to share my story is, one, I'm a fan of yours. Um, but, two, I guess I just wanted to let as many people know as I can that, you know, if this is your dream, if you're serious about shooting a big buck, you, you stick with it. Um, because I've had a lot of rough years where I've missed deer and wounded deer and, you know, just haven't seen big deer within range. I've never actually had a deer over 130 inches in range until that buck. And, but be, like I said, my determination is what changed that. So I just think it's something anyone can do if they're serious enough about it and stick with it. And there you have it, another Hunter Profile podcast in the books. Uh, thanks again, Jake, for coming on the show and sharing your story. I really appreciate it. If you have a big buck story that you would like to share on this podcast, go ahead and email me at ninefingerchronicles at gmail.com or message me on Facebook or Twitter or any any place you want to get a hold of me. Go ahead and let me know that you have a story that you want to tell and um, I will talk with you and, and we might be able to get it on the on the podcast. What else? What else? Oh yeah. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, make sure you guys are liking the, my, my social media pages. Uh, there's a lot of uh, cool things that come through, uh, especially Facebook uh, and Twitter and Instagram. Uh, follow my blog post and uh, be sure to subscribe to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or any place else that you guys listen to it. And remember to wear your damn safety harness.